to 321 I Relaunch, the podcast where we discuss strategies, advice, and success stories about returning to work after a career break. I'm Carol Fishman Cohen, the chair and co founder of I Relaunch, and your host. Today, we welcome Charlotte Jack. Charlotte is the founder of Circle, a company that connects older and younger professionals for mutual personal and professional growth. Charlotte started her career in creative marketing and saw the consequences of age segregation in the workplace. Older and younger professionals needed to connect and learn from each other, but had no way to meet. Circle enables networking across generations, working with both individuals and corporations to bridge the gap. Charlotte was named one of Next Avenue's 2020 Influencers in Aging and a 2020 Gen to Gen Innovation Fellow. Charlotte, welcome to 321i Relaunch. Thanks so much for having me, Carol. Well, it's great to have you, and I'm really excited to jump into this topic. There's there's so much to talk about here, and I guess we'll start with a question about ageism, uh, because I feel like uh, this the whole topic of connecting older and younger professionals almost begs a discussion about ageism. How do you define it? Yeah, there are so many ways to look at ageism, but the textbook definition, I guess, would be that it's discrimination against someone based on their age. And it could be about making assumptions about what their abilities are, what their life experience has been like. Um, you know, in this day and age, it's what their political or environmental beliefs are. Um, and in a more general sense, that someone has more or less value in society based on how old or how young they are perceived to be. And because I tend to be a younger person in the anti-ageism conversation, um, it's always good to remind people that young people experience ageism too, and that they do see people dismiss um, their abilities or what they know because of their age. I'm a millennial, so I, we've gotten a lot of flack for being the me, me, me generation, having no humility um, or awareness for the world around us. Um, and I'm actually grateful because I think Gen Z is really changing our perceptions of youth and that tie to, uh, you know, being obsessed with themselves. Mm-hmm. And just a follow up on that. I'm thinking, is this a U.S. centric, American centric type of view? Because I'm thinking about some cultures where uh, the older people in the culture are revered and and honored for their wisdom. I think that it's definitely a huge issue in the U.S. when you're looking at the ageism experienced by older individuals compared to, um, I can name in Indonesia, for example. I have a friend there who interviewed me for the Deloitte podcast over there. And she said it was the opposite, where at her company, at Deloitte in Indonesia, all of the reverence went to the older employees and people mm-hmm. like her really felt like they didn't have a voice. So, you know, the, the issue still exists and the solutions, I would say, are still applicable, but it's, you know, it's tackling it from two different angles. And is the extension of this and the work that you're doing uh, have to do with, I guess, age diversity in the workplace and focusing on age as a component of diversity? Yeah. So that's definitely part of it. We're looking at age segregation and this lack of age diversity. And uh, there's a a statistic that, you know, there are about 64% of companies that have a DEI program, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And only about 8% of those programs actually implement age as a classifier. So something that they're thinking about when they look at diversity. 
Mm-hmm. So that that's something that I think we're going to see change uh, pretty drastically moving forward. Yeah, that's definitely part of what we focus on at iRelaunch, because as you can imagine, relaunchers, people who are returning to work after a career break, especially if it's a longer career break, are typically in their 40s or 50s or even older when they're returning. So it's this is a primarily female workforce and a primor- primarily 40 and older workforce. So we're also pretty focused on age diversity in addition to gender diversity in terms of relaunch programs being a partial solution to, yeah. to those issues. I love that you're focusing on this, this group because I think when people think about age or I guess anti-ageism, you start to get images of uh, people in their maybe 80s and 90s who might not be working anymore and they're still experiencing ageism. But um, there's a really interesting phenomenon happening with this group, um, your listeners who are actively working, you know, who are making money and supporting families and and doing the thing that gives them purpose. uh, But they're finding it harder and harder to do that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're kind of already getting into this territory of my next question. But do you have certain dividers in terms of, quote, young people are younger than 30 and older workers are 50 and older. And then there's this middle group between 30 and 50 or are older workers like even in their mid to late forties or are they 60? Like how do you divide people by age? Um, Yes. uh, Interesting territory. So at Circle, we use Ashton Applewhite's terminology Um, in her book, This Chair Rocks. She writes about olders and youngers. So we'll say like, oh, you know, because it's all relative, right? Everyone is mostly older than someone else and, you know, younger than someone else. So we're all, Mm -hmm. you know, relative to someone else. um, Mm. And it isn't uh, great, you know, to call someone old or young. You know, it's kind of so definitive when you put it that way. So we do use generations just for the sake of being able to organize our membership. And uh, I did want to point out, you know, the, the workplace, um, according to, I think it was, a, I think it was an HBR study. Um, it's broken up like 5% Gen Z, millennials 30%-ish, Gen X is about 30%, boomers 30%, and silent generations about 5%. And we actually mirror that same breakout in our membership, which is like, I just made that realization. So um, it's really interesting because you see this really uh, big representation in millennial Gen X and baby boomer uh, when you talk about the workplace. And so we try to just, you know, the default is just uh, classify someone by their age. You know, we're all trying to be more uh, open and positive about that number and not hiding it all the time, like, you know, as, as was the tradition. So um, that's kind of the safest bet. You know, it's just the truth, your, your number. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just for our sake, like, we're using an algorithm partly and we're partly just organizing in our database. So we, we do use generations just as a means of organizing people, but we never like generalize based on that, you know, that all of our boomers are one way or all of our Gen Z's are one way. Um, you know, we see everyone as an individual. Mm-hmm. And can you say the name of that author again? Oh, Ashton Applewhite. Ah, okay. And what was the book that laid out um, sort of the, was it older and younger or elder and younger? Older and younger. Yeah, elder is a whole other conversation. But the book is called uh, This Chair Rocks, A Manifesto Against Ageism. 
Ah, okay. Thank you. That's yeah. a good resource for, for She's great. And she would be a great guest on this show as well. Oh, interesting. All right. We will make a note of that for sure. Yeah. We're going to end up doing a mini series on, yeah. on age diversity and ageism. All right, good. <laughs> um, so, you know, I did some uh, reading. I know you did a, a, an interview with, with uh, Next Avenue as part of being uh, named a Next Avenue 2020 Influencers in Aging. Congratulations on that. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I think I was one of their influences in 2017, so uh, a while ago. But Amazing. I love, yeah, I love uh, that that you were named uh, for 2020. And um, I saw that interview. I've seen um, some of what what you've um, put out on the internet. And and I'm I'm trying to um, uh, summarize, ca uh, categorize what it means to be a member of an intergenerational workforce and sort of what the areas of interaction are. And I also was looking um, on the Circle website. So I, I know there's a category that has to do with knowledge sharing and mentoring. And I was also thinking about this category of, I'm calling it operational effectiveness, like how people interact who are in different generations who are on the same teams at work or in terms of ideas exchange in the workplace or productivity. So I just want to know um, how you look at those three areas and any commentary on them. Yeah, there's so much to say when you're put up, bringing these people together from their different generational perspectives. And I think we do focus on the knowledge sharing. And that came from a personal experience I had where I was working a first job at a very young company and I didn't have a lot of knowledge to tap into because everyone was roughly the same age or maybe five to 10 years older than me if they were my boss or my boss's boss. So I think when you're talking about workplaces, um, you really do need to start leveraging the internal knowledge available and facilitating ways for people to share their skills or share um, their stories and experiences. I know that's been really impactful for me when I'm talking to people who are older than me and have worked maybe in a similar field. I'm desperate to hear everything, you know, all of the funny stories and, um, you know, the skills that I can learn from. Um, and actually mentoring ties into that because it's a two-way street. Like I'm, I'm so over the hierarchy of the knowledge flow happening from older to younger exclusively. It really should be in both directions. Mm -hmm. We all know, you know, this world is like changing and moving and advancing very fast. And it's not just younger people who need to be learning and growing. Everyone does. We all have aspirations, you know, to get promoted, to have a better career in five years, to really like work hard towards a goal. Um, and so mentoring is just a way to facilitate that knowledge sharing. Yeah. You know, I'm, as you're talking, I'm thinking about our own team here at iRelaunch. We have people ranging from their late twenties to their mid sixties on our team. So we have quite a lot of age diversity uh, on the team and I do see the knowledge exchange going both ways. I'm always learning mm. a lot from uh, I guess people I characterize as our younger employee employees as, and I'm sure they're learning a lot from those of us um, on the team who are quote older uh, mm -hmm. and I pretty much see it every day. So yeah, yeah that's, that's amazing. amazing. And mm -hmm. I think um, not to go on too much of a tangent, but I think if you are talking about this knowledge sharing within the multi-generational conversation, there's also this awareness that, our education system is a bit outdated. And so you'll see that 
maybe people are taking a break to go back to get another degree or, you know, take some time to learn something and then come back to work, um, as I'm sure many relaunchers are. And uh, this model where, you know, you're done learning because you get your bachelor's degree or your MBA or whatever it is, and then you get into your work mode, uh, that's going to change too. So I think the workplace will become uh, a more flexible and dynamic place to not only, you know, contribute to the business and the bottom line, but actually to nurture your employees so they can do a better job of that and make more money for you, really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And can you give some examples maybe that you see in Circle where uh, there's intergenerational knowledge sharing or mentoring or mm-hmm. I don't know, any, any particular examples that stand out for you that illustrate one of these categories? Yeah. So the way that our approach works is that it is um, basically a facilitated way to make introductions between professionals from different generations and making sure that there is a very clear suggested exchange in every introduction that we make. So it's already kind of baked into our process. But in terms of success stories, people get out of it different things. And that's because we are listening to what their goals are. One example I'll give is uh, a man who I think he's in his mid 40s. He has worked in advertising his entire career. He actually had a small business, his own agency for a while and you know realized that wasn't working anymore. So he and his partner split up the business and he came to Circle looking for a way to pivot back to an agency to work as an employee again. And hmm. he knew that he needed to speak to someone who had that kind of long-term agency experience. Um, and we have a lot of people in advertising because that, that industry is quite ageist and does tend to push people out prematurely. So for Jothan, we introduced him to a bunch of people. One of those people uh, was Paul who is a man in his, I think, 60s, mid to late 60s, longtime agency creative director. And for them, you know, they have these, I think they're weekly now, they meet every week, um, and they actually exchange work and give each other critiques. And that's like a really amazing version of two-way knowledge sharing, because they have, you know, their various uh, generation generational perspectives, but mm-hmm. they're able to come together, you know, be vulnerable, share something, this is my work, and then, you know, get advice on how to make it better. And Paul is looking for that just as Jothan is, even though Paul has had, a, you know, an illustrious career and maybe isn't hustling the same way that Jothan is, um, it's still really meaningful. And then, you know, Jothan's also met other people like a woman named Ruth, where um, Ruth did have a career in advertising, but went on to do a lot of other things like nonprofit, um, you know, being on the board of a nonprofit and um, being very active in social causes. And so they've actually continued meeting on their own terms. And it's more about sharing perspectives on the world, you know, what's going on in 2020, talking about uh, the movement for racial justice, um, all these things that are meaningful to them. But they kind of felt like they're in this bubble where they were just talking to people maybe in their own age group and they weren't seeing the bigger picture. So I, th- I like that example because it shows you that you can learn different things from different people and it can still be equally relevant. And so I, I want to understand a little bit more. You reference how it works in Circle. How does it actually work? Do you become a member? Do you pay a fee? Is it annual? And then, and then what happens? Uh, it, and I know you're giving some examples here, but is it essentially based on the premise that 
you mostly interact with people your own age, especially maybe outside of work because you have a certain friend group and your life would be enriched or your work or all aspects of your life could be enriched if you somehow get into an environment where you have the opportunity to meet people of different age groups or like... Mm -hmm. Exactly. Okay. So it's based on the premise, like you said, that we live in an age segregated world where our social lives tend to flow into these age bubbles, our work lives. Like even if you have a boss who is of a different age than you, um, your friends at work, the people that you actually gravitate towards um, naturally might tend to be in the same age group. And the problem is kind of like I was alluding to earlier um, with my experience at my first job, it just starts to feel like you're not growing or you're not getting the tools that you need to take that next step. And the people in our lives who tend to be, I'll use my own example, who tend to be older than me, um, so I'm 30 years old, you know, those are my parents or my boss. And both of those people carry a lot of emotional baggage where, you know, my, you know, I love my mom. I tell her everything, actually. But for a lot of people, there might be tension there. Maybe you don't want to share the nitty gritty of what you're going through with your career. Maybe they're not really well suited to that kind of advice. Or with your boss, if you're thinking about leaving, you know, the company or mm -hmm. moving into a different division, you don't want to share that with your boss who's controlling your paycheck and your performance review. So there's a lot of baggage there as well. And when you connect with someone outside of your age bubble, but who's still relevant to your goals, it's kind of this neutral, safe space where you can open up and share. And like I said, have that two-way exchange. So mm -hmm. with Circle, the way it works is uh, we're a membership. So you apply, you give us a lot of information about your personal interests, your goals, the skills you've acquired, the industries you've worked in. Um, we try to get a 360 picture, so not just the resume. And uh, there is a fee. So right now we're charging $55 a month, but there's a really great annual price of $264. So it's kind of worth doing that. And we do think this kind of networking is a muscle that you need to flex every month uh, for mm -hmm. you know at least a year, really for life, if you ask me. So you sign on and on the first of the month, once we've collected all this information and we have our you know beautiful pool of interesting people, um, we make one-on-one -on -one introductions. So that's always on the first of the month. And there's a ton of context that we provide. So it's the opposite of a cold intro. You know, we have your photos in there, some context about your, um, you know, your, what's your superpower and things like that, your, your bio that we actually write for you. So we really hype you up and make you shine. And then a little um, section about why we're making the match. And that's where we make the suggestion of what we think each of you should teach the other. Uh, that will help get you closer to your goals. And the idea is that you're making these these introductions every month um, as a way to kind of diversify your network in a really thoughtful way and not the randomness of LinkedIn. Um, you know, mm -hmm. who answers like a cold in-mail? I mean, unless it's really compelling. There's just a lot of sales on there as well. So, you know, this mm -hmm. is the opposite yeah. of that. And, and that's where you see people really start to open up because I think when you do come from different backgrounds, you kind of need that personal connection first, you know, to build the trust and the openness. And then you can get into the nitty gritty of, you know, I really need help um, understanding how to promote myself better on LinkedIn. Can you show me how to do that? Or, you know, I'm, I'm leading a team with this new role and I'm really freaked out because I've never been a manager before. Can you help me with that? So things um, that are sometimes a bit more soft skills oriented and sometimes more hard skills. Right. You know, I recently had the opportunity and I was 
informally matched with this person who um, uh, who's a young manager and someone else in that organization asked if I could uh, mentor the person. And I have never been a mentor before. And I wasn't even sure how that was going to work. And um, and I and I I actually think this person is 30 years old um, and I am 61 years old and it was a very enriching experience for me um, as the mentor, first really not knowing how, how it was going to work or if I was going to be good at it, but then over time started developing that relationship and um, just realizing that there was a lot to talk about and to, to offer and, and also to bounce off the person and sort of test ideas to see, oh, is this helpful to her or is it not helpful to her? So um, I can see how um, uh, sort of formalizing this a little bit and giving people the, these networks and options for doing this um, on, a, on a little bit of a bigger scale, but still very curated could, could be um, an enriching experience for everyone involved. So thank you for walking us through that. That's really interesting. Um, and actually, let me just jump to this question about uh, inter the, the whole intergenerational workforce, because I'm thinking about it in the context of our audience of relaunchers, uh, because, of course, as relaunchers and I um, most of the people that I relaunch and our, our broader audience know that I'm a relauncher myself and I took an 11 year career break and I was a financial analyst at a Wall Street bank. And then my company collapsed while I was on maternity leave with my first child. So that began my career break. And I was home for, I had three more kids. I was home for 11 years. And I was home from 1990 to 2001. And I went back 11 years later as a financial analyst into an investment management firm. So that's my uh, uh, sort of pre and post career break uh, transition in a nutshell. And I'm only saying it. that, <laughs> I'm only running through that. And also just to tell our, our audience who doesn't know that about my background, that when I went back to work in 2001, and of course, no one was talking about relaunching then, there were no programs and, you know, no one, I didn't even know a single other person who had done this. Um, so, but I was 42 years old and I was working for a 37 year old. So most relaunchers are going to come into a situation where in our 40s or 50s or above, and we're going to be working for someone who's younger than us, who's younger than we are. And then we also have a situation where increasingly we're having relaunchers come back and work for people who used to work for them. So, so that's been kind of an interesting dynamic. Uh, but I just wanted to know if you had any specific recommendations for relaunchers, knowing that that is typically what our situation looks like age-wise. Yeah. Well, first of all, just major kudos, because it's not easy to come back to work. Um, I do see a lot of relaunchers who are joining Circle Up. And um, I see that there is this lack of confidence in some of them where they, they, they really like overlook all the experience that they have. I remember recently looking at someone's resume and I was amazed. It was like amazing experience, some huge brands um, that she was actually part of the foundation of the very early days of building those brands. And she had no confidence and it was bizarre to me because I'm just like, wow, I want to learn these things from you. You've, you've been at the ground level and you've built things. Yeah. And and it's, it's really frustrating to see that because actually, just to use that example, before she even met her first introduction, I think she got a little spooked and, you know, started getting overwhelmed with like maybe a, a child that had gotten sick. 
and totally dropped the ball on her introduction, which is total faux pas for us. But um, I, I could see that it was like part of the intimidation of it. And it kind of killed me because I was like, oh, you had so much to teach this person and you don't even realize it. So right. yeah, so that's the first piece. So if you're already back to work and even if you're working for someone younger or that you used to lead them, then like that's a big hump that you've gotten over and major congrats. So that's the first thing. And then the second was um, just that from the perspective of someone my age and a lot of my peers, I think it's worth reiterating that young people really appreciate hearing and learning from older colleagues. And I wouldn't shy away from hiding any information. You know, if you've been through something before, um, definitely share it because that's, I think, how we innovate. We learn from the past. We apply new updates and technology and all that good stuff and we innovate and make it new. But I think the pitfall is sometimes when you're sharing something that you've done before and um, and it actually maybe hinders someone from moving forward with an idea because it was like, oh, we already tried that, you know, 10 years ago and didn't work. Mm-hmm. And I see a lot of people get frustrated um, in that situation, whereas it could have gone the other way, you know, kind of like we've done this before, but I'm game to try it again. I think there might be a better way to do it. And that's how you innovate. So I think mm-hmm. it's just, you know, another kind of specific example, but um I think there's major opportunity if you bring that growth mindset, you listen and you learn from your younger peers just as you listen to your older peers. Yeah, you know, I'm thinking about uh, marketing and brand management as an example. I've always felt that the relauncher who was sort of trained in in like that classic sort of uh, brand consumer product brand management training from some of the great companies, uh, bring something to the table, even though they've had to now completely update themselves and learn about digital marketing and, um, you know, how to present uh, a and build a brand in a digital environment, that the relauncher has the combination of that core background plus the um, overlay of, of the new knowledge is, is particularly valuable. Definitely. Yeah. And I think, are you familiar with Chip Connolly? Yes, I well, I don't know him, but I've certainly am aware of him and read all about what he's doing. But yeah. maybe um, just briefly uh, summarize for the audience. So Chip Connolly uh, was one of the youngest successful hospitality entrepreneurs, and you know he did well. He kind of retired from his company Joie de Vivre and started, well, actually interning with Airbnb. So Airbnb yes. was like you know this young tech company in Silicon Valley, and they wanted. Um, Chip to come along, they actually wanted him to be their mentor for the founders. And Chip kind of redefined this role and called himself the mentor, you know, half mm. mentor, half intern. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he said like he was learning from these young tech founders just as much as he was teaching them. And he was also able to learn from these product people and just picked up this whole vernacular about like shipping a product and things like that, that he had never known about before. But he attributes all of that to the growth mindset. And I think that's, it sounds obvious. Like, yeah, sure, I want to be a a learner. I want to learn new things. But really committing to that is a whole other thing. And it's that curiosity. Ask questions. Be open-minded. Don't shut down. Don't, you know, get stressed when there's a new program you have to learn. Um, 
you know, we're all learning all the time and uh, you just got to jump in and go with it. Yeah, you're hitting on a on a core recommendation that we have for relaunches in terms of trying to have a like a fearless attitude about learning what you don't know. And also that we say that subject matter expertise is the antidote to ageism. uh, And the more you update yourself again and get really current in the thinking in your field and the controversies and the experts and you can be conversant, then not only do you feel more confident and but you also get people to focus more on the substance of what you're talking about as opposed to how old you are or how many years you've had out of the workforce. Completely agree. Yeah. Yeah. So um, Charlotte, can you comment on whether the COVID induced, you know, virtual work from home and sort of virtual environment now is a plus or a minus for uh, people of, of different ages? I've always seen it, you know, always as in this year, seen it mm-hmm. as a benefit, as a good thing. I think it evens the playing field when we really needed it. And actually be curious to hear a counter argument, but for now, I'll just give you my my idea because I think um, when we're working remotely, it's first of all shown the world how quickly people adapt. You know, it's yeah. not even common for, for young people, Gen Zs and millennials to work remotely. That's totally new. And, um, you know, we've seen older people pick up virtual meetings and being on Zoom all the time really fast. So that like already broke um, the stereotype that existed. And I think on a more like geographic level, we're seeing a lot of people move and decide that the city that they were attached to because it was where their employer was situated. um, And then moving because they're like, I actually don't need to be here anymore. And it's more to my liking to live in this other place, maybe closer to family or whatever reason it is. Um, We can actually be more thoughtful about the environment that we need to prosper, you know, where are we happier? Where do we want to work from? Um, It also is more inclusive. Like if someone has a disability, you can work in a place that is easier for you and you don't have to feel you're commuting or people that maybe had that disability and saw it as a a barrier before even applying to a job or maybe applying for jobs now because they, they can see an opportunity to work remotely. So I think it's a really good thing. And actually, um, in a multi-generational way, I think young workers want these same changes to make their work life more flexible. And, you know, unfortunately, the way our culture works, you know, a lot of times these younger workers are loud and they want the same thing that older workers do. But because they're being loud about it, you know, and they're kind of like the hot commodity, the workplace is adapting to them and it actually works for everyone. Mm-hmm. Wow, really interesting point about people with certain, mostly probably physical disabilities who might um, be motion impaired in some way are, are on a much more even playing field being able to work, you know, right out of a home office. That, yeah, that, that's very interesting. And also, you know, I have to laugh when you when you talk about people, a, lot, a very broad age group, uh, you know, adopting to Zoom. My mother is about to turn 88 and she's right on Zoom, like no problem. Right. <laughs> and, and I and I was thinking, you know, when it's not that hard, you know, but you have to sort of, you have to be on, a, uh, you know, on your computer or your phone or your iPad or whatever and figure it out a little bit and, and people figure it out. So yeah. I love that. 
I actually I have a question for you, actually, um, yeah. because I was going to say that in a way for relaunchers who have kids, um, work from home is great because they're close to their kids, maybe at really formative ages when they would normally be working late hours and things like that. But then I thought about the flip side of that, which is working with kids and <laughs> and that being really difficult. So have you seen yeah. that play out? Yeah. So, you know, there, there's been a lot of press about like, you know, 865,000 uh, women left the workforce in, in September. And we've been sort of watching the Bureau of Labor Statistics um, uh, numbers come out each month uh, showing, you know, hundreds of thousands of mostly women are leaving the workforce because they are just too pressed for attention to the family uh, and their kids are all in zoom school and and they have to work too so it's it is that um subset of mostly women i want to say men too but the stats are showing it's mostly women who have school age children who are you know maybe elementary school age the high schoolers can kind of, you know, fend for themselves, but the younger kids who um, have to, you know, get on the computer and have, ha and essentially have a school day, but at home with like snack and lunch and all of that. And, uh, and because of COVID, a lot of people, no one can come in the house. And so there, there's just, I, I'd say a, a higher level of chaos or to be managing within the home environment that is a totally new element than before. But within the relauncher community, you know, there are a lot of different populations. So there are people who are empty nesters and uh, there are people whose, you know, career break had to do with elder care or some other non-child care um, reason. So uh, we have quite a mix uh, in terms of who is in the relauncher population. But I would say it's it could be pretty hard right now uh, for the subset of people who have school age children at home and are what I guess I'll use the terminology that Anne Marie Slaughter uses that who the person who's the lead parent, I think would mm -hmm. uh, bear the brunt of that responsibility. And sometimes it feels like it's too much and, 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 and maybe people go on career break who weren't expecting to, or they stay on career break longer because they can't, imagine how they'd be going back to work right now in this environment but yeah you know we'll see it's a, hopefully uh we're going to evolve out of this with vaccines and um and that will turn around over time but i have set, been in the public domain saying today's uh employees who are leaving for covid reasons are tomorrow's relaunchers so right there's going to be a lag there and then that population is going to be looking to get back to work right we had a circle member who um, is a great example of a relauncher because she just completely pivoted. It wasn't necessarily a, a big break that she took, but she did go back to school to get a degree in HR, so like human resource management. And uh, she had actually worked at the State Department before, like very different career, just totally pivoted out of interest and uh, started a job right after this master's degree at the entry level of a major agency, um, but you know, getting played, getting paid entry level salary, and she took the pay cut and is obviously enjoying her work. But she said, "I was prepared for this because I didn't have kids, and I had saved money. And most people, although they want to make a pivot like that, you know, they don't have the means, you know, to take that break mm. and go and get a degree." So 
there it's an interesting intersection when you look at what money can allow people to do. Absolutely. Charlotte, we're running out of time now, and I need to jump to our final question. And the question that we ask all of our podcast guests, which is, what is your best piece of advice for our relauncher audience, even if it's something that we've already talked about today? My advice is to network, network, network. Please, you need to connect with people who are different from you. You need to flex that networking muscle Talk to people from different age groups, from different backgrounds, with different skill sets. And we actually call it a personal board of advisors. So instead of having one go-to soulmate mentor, even if that person is older or younger than you, I recommend finding a lot of different people with a lot of different things to offer you, you know, different backgrounds and skills. And it's kind of like you're sitting at a table with your board, your personal board of advisors, and each of those board members has a specific expertise that you want to learn. And that way, you know, at the end of this experience, you're becoming a more 360 and well-rounded professional. So talk to people. Um, If you need more structure or a place to meet those interesting people, there are places like Circle, and we do welcome all of you to join Um, But even if you're just naturally meeting people, uh, do make the extra effort and record all the things that you're learning so that you can build those relationships and go back to them with questions. You know, they say the weak ties are actually stronger than your strong ties. So really reach out to that outer circle and, and leverage all that knowledge. That's great advice. And thank you so much. It's a great place to wind up. And, and before we do, Charlotte, can you tell us how can people find out more about Circle? You can go to our website. It's circle.world. So www.circle.world, W-O-R-L-D. And that's where you can sign up for membership, join the newsletter. Um, We're pretty active on Instagram as well. That's C-I-R.K-E-L, as well as LinkedIn. Wonderful. Well, Charlotte, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me, Carol. It was a great conversation. Yeah, I think so too. And thanks for listening to 321i Relaunch, the podcast where we discuss strategies, advice, and success stories about returning to work after a career break. I'm Carol Fishman-Cohen, the chair and co-founder of iRelaunch and your host. For more information on iRelaunch conferences and events, to sign up for our job board and access our return to work tools and resources, go to iRelaunch.com. And if you like this podcast, be sure to rate it on Apple Podcasts and your favorite podcast platform. And be sure to share this podcast with a friend on Facebook, Instagram, and other social media. Thanks for joining us. 